sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Brett McKay here and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. So what is character? Right, we always talk about we want to develop good character. What, what exactly does that mean? And once you figure out what good character is, how do we go about developing it? Well, that's the questions, or those are the questions my guest tries to answer in his book, Forces of Character. His name's Chad Hennings, and if you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, you probably know who he is. Uh, guys had an amazing career, went to the, U- the Air Force Academy, served in the Persian Gulf as an A-10 pilot, uh, came back from the Persian Gulf War, and played for the Dallas Cowboys for several seasons and won four Super Bowl, or excuse me, three Super Bowl championships in four years. And in his book, Forces of Character, Chad interviews and talks to different people that he's interacted um, throughout his life, high-profile individuals, Supreme Court justices, football coaches, uh, you name it, he's talked to them. And he asked them, like, what character means to them and how they went about developing character themselves, as well as in their own family or with the individuals that they led, either on a sports team or in business, etc., Really great discussion. Um, I think you're going to like it. So without further ado, Chad Hennings and Forces of Character. Chad Hennings, welcome to the show. Hey, pleasure to be on. Thanks for having me on. So your new book is called Forces of Character, where you interview friends, associates, mentors that have been involved in your life in some way or another about what character means and what it means to live a life of character. What was the impetus behind this book? Was there something that happened in your life that you felt like you needed to write this? You know, I think it's all the things that we are consistently bombarded with day in, day out, whether that be through the media, through relationships, through whatever, where I just see character lacking, whether that's, you know, watching political debates, you know, in this political season approaching the presidential election to, you know, athletes on the field, uh, hurting their teams with certain unsportsmanlike conduct to uh, things you read about in the business section day, day in, day out, that I really wanted to start a conversation about the importance of character and, and why it matters to us as individuals as well as to us collectively in our culture. You start off the book talking about what you mean by character, and I think everyone has a different definition of what it means to live a life of character, but how do you define it? You know, character, in essence, it's, you know, doing the right thing. And I know that's a very broad definition, but to me, it's certain 
is defined by certain traits, whether that be functional moral character, about selflessness, self-discipline, perseverance, resilience, how you treat others, you know, following that golden rule of do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Um, you know, for me, I define being an individual of character or being a force of character as someone who lives to be their best self every day, who encourages others to do the same, as well as lifting those organizations or those entities that they're affiliated with, whether that be a family, a business, a team, encouraging those around them to live to a higher noble purpose and cause. So it's, you know, it's, it's taking in all those different things and, and bottom line, if you had to boil it down to just one statement, it's, it's following that golden rule of, of servant leadership and doing unto others as you know, you want them to do unto you. So it, it seems like there's an emphasis on action. Is that what you mean by when you say in your book, character is kinetic? Very much so. Character is can be made as an analogy, just like when you exercise in your workout and you're exercising a muscle group. If you're doing a bench, you're doing a squat, character is made up of, of those small decisions that you make day in, day out, that, that they matter. That you don't just wake up and decide, as I write about in the book, to, hey, I'm going to rob a bank today. Or, um, hey, I want to go start a homeless shelter. No, those things, decisions, who you are, it, first of all, it's a choice. And those decisions that you make impact you know, your actions and whether you can achieve to be the person that you want to be for your tomorrows. So, so character has to be active. It's, it's just not a light switch that you turn on and turn off. It's an identity. And, and that's why I talk about it. It's, it's, it's kinetic that it, it really takes in all your thoughts, your words, and your actions, who you are as an individual going forward in your life. Now, I know many of our listeners are likely familiar with you and your career with the Dallas Cowboys and in professional football. How much did football influence how you perceive character? You know, what lessons do you take from the football field that you're able to apply to just regular everyday life? You know, I look back, I, I would say not much from playing professionally because who I was as an individual is already ingrained in, in my identity. But going back I'll call going back playing football in elementary school where you're on the playground, where you're just out there with your friends. That's where I learned the importance of, of character because it's those lessons. I talk about athletics, you know, particularly football being one of the best leadership laboratories, you know, that, that there is where you learn life's lessons on character on again, those things. How do you play with others? You know, how do you define your role as an individual on the confines of the team? How do you overcome adversity? How do you act? How do you act when you win, when you lose? Uh, what's the commitment, your practice in the off, you know, quote unquote off season or your preparation? How do you think strategically? How do you think tactically? All these different lessons I learned as a kid growing up that were solidified as to who the person that I, you know, I wanted to be and chose to be because we all played with those kids that were selfish, that were ball hogs. You know, you don't want to be around those guys because it's all about them. And you learn early on that, to win a game that's a team sport, you need others around you. You need to encourage everybody to be doing their role to the utmost in order to win the game. So, I mean, all kids see that. So that's where it's important to have these conversations with your kids at an early age, even when you're watching on television, when you're watching, say, the Super Bowl, you know, how those players, yeah, they're great athletes, tremendous athletes, but more importantly, talk to your kids about, 
you know, how do they act on the field when something gets a call against them or do they pick up their, their the opponent after they tackle them, you know, and, and slap them on the butt, you know, and say, good job. Those are all great lessons to learn that we all can learn through athletics, either by participating or by being a, uh, 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 a, a fan just watching them from afar. Yeah, I, I think that's interesting. I love the analogy between athletics, training for sport, and using that as an as an analogy to uh, train your character. You know, I've been listening to these lectures about Stoic philosophers, and they often use the analogy of the Olympic Games and training physically uh, to training your soul. And I think that's what we would call character. I just love that analogy. Um, you in the book, you interview several people, uh, ranging from Roger Staubach to Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. How did you go about selecting the individuals you included in the book? First of all, my whole goal was to, to show that character is ubiquitous. You don't have to be from a, a certain economic level or you don't have to come from a, a particular background to exemplify character. So I picked individuals from a broad breadth of background from different races, uh, gender to you know, experience. And, and they all, to me, were, as I defined earlier, what a force of character was. And you named a few from Clarence Thomas to Roger Staubach, Troy Aikman, Greg Popovich, coach for the Spurs, a, a sh space shuttle commander, a CEO for the National Center on Fathering, an Auschwitz survivor, an international human rights attorney out of communist Romania, to uh, a homelessness expert. You know, all these people, very wide background, but they all have impacted others by being a force of character. And, and that's why I wanted to get it out. And that was the intent of having, you know, as broad of audience as I can, because anybody can read this book and take something out of it because they're going to relate to one of the individuals in one of the chapters uh, that, that I wrote about. We'll get into the specifics of some of the folks you interviewed, but as you interviewed them, was there one thing or a few things they all had in common when it came to living a life of character? You know, ultimately, they all had that transformational moment where they realized that character mattered. You know, a lot of them we talked, uh, I wrote about, I think all the Cowboy players, for those people that are Cowboy haters out there can, <laughs> can emphasize with this. But, you know, as young kids, they all stole something, whether it was Roger Staubach, a little Virgin Mary icon. Troy Aikman was a pocket knife. I took a football card. Jason Garrett stole a... Um, a, a, a pack of gum from a neighborhood store, but it was all those things where they felt guilt, they felt remorse, and they were held accountable for that after, you know, they went to our parents, you know, we we're punished appropriately, but we had to go face that up and return those items. And, um, you know, that's where for everybody across the board had that transformational moment where they realized that the difference between right and wrong, that your decisions every day matter. And they then transform that, that experience into being that, again, that force of character, being your best self every day, encourage others to do the same, and then lifting those around you to a higher noble purpose or cause. I thought the story about uh, you stealing the football card was, was pretty funny. You, you made a little girl cry. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great way to open a book. I, right. you know, I stole a football card from a little girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah there, there was a learning moment right there. I thought it was interesting, too, that a lot of the people you interviewed grew up on farms. They came from a rural lifestyle. What is it about, a, what is it about farm living that helps people develop character? Well, you know, one of the aspects I mentioned earlier, too, about functional characters is, is work ethic. Um, and that's where growing up on a farm, I, I grew up on a farm in Iowa. 
And I watched by watching my father, my grandfather, my brother, you know, work the land because as a farmer, if you don't get up there, there's no days off. If you don't go out and, and take care of your livestock, you don't go out and uh, till the soil or plant the soil or harvest the, or harvest the, um, the crops that you plant, nobody's there to do it for you. It's up to you. So it's that aspect of personal responsibility. Because if you don't take care of your family, you know, there's nobody there to do that. So it's, you know, those are, you know, that great American work ethic, whatever, that I think has been in our national psyche for years was based on that agrarian society of people working the land. And that translates over, you know, it carried over for me and my, my careers, both either as a fighter pilot or as a football player. You know, I took those same lessons in life about work ethic and worked as hard as I could to to be the man that I am today. I think there's something about farm work too that it, it helps you become resilient. You know, farming you're dependent upon the weather, for example, and you have no control over that. <laughs> well, that's where I, I laugh at my dad and I said, "Man, I don't know how you can deal with the stress because in other businesses you can tr- control certain inputs." into your business to control margins of, of the cost of your goods or cost of goods sold, et cetera, our production timing. But as a farmer, you, you have no control over the commodity prices of your grain or your livestock that you sell. You can't control the weather. You can't control the cost of your inputs. It, it is what it is. And there's really only thing that you can do is control who you are as a person, work your hardest, getting the crops in, and you know, praying to God that, that that you get a crop, that you don't get drought or uh, too much rain and overabundance of rain where you get flooded out. To your point, that these farmers are probably the most resilient people that I know. Yeah, whenever I read these stories, I uh, I grew up in o- the suburbs of Oklahoma playing Super Nintendo, and I feel like I missed out on something in life by not growing up on a, a farm. I didn't get that whole school of hard knocks, and I, I guess sports helped me with that. But um, yeah, I feel like I missed out. So let's get into specifics here. Uh, one of the people you interviewed was the famous Dallas Cowboys quarterback, Roger Staubach. And I love the story about duty and consistency when it comes to building character. What did he have to say about those two ideals about living a life of character? Uh, Roger being very similar. And this is one of the reasons why I want to interview him because we had a came from a common background. He went to the Naval Academy and I graduated from the Air Force Academy and ultimately served our commitment and went on to play for the Cowboys. You know, and of course, he's a Hall of Fame quarterback, Super Bowl champion, you know, the great, been a huge mentor to me. But what he talked about was that aspect of character kinetic that it's it's not so much the words you say, it's it's your actions. And, and today, if for those parents that are out there listening or for anybody that is mentoring a young person, you know, just to go off on a quick side note here is that kids today, they have a pretty good filter, pretty good radar of, you know, are they going to trust you just based on because kids today are bombarded with media that they, they can determine, you know, pretty much who they trust and who they who they don't. So if you're not exemplifying those lessons that you're trying to teach your kids or those individuals that you're mentoring, you might as well give up on it because they're not going to listen to you. It's going to go in one ear and out the other. You got to walk the walk. And that's what Roger talked about doing his duty. You know, he talked about a story. I don't want to take anything from those of you that want to read the book, but when he was in Vietnam as a supply officer, had some issues with 
certain aspects of corruption going on and how he had to confront that. And he had a choice where he could have turned, you know, turned his eye, turned his head the other way and, and forgot about it and just allowed the stuff to go on and write, wrote his time out. But he confronted that. And then also on the football field, he talked about certain individuals that, you know, he had to pull aside or how he had to motivate them on the field. And again, it was living the life that he did, the choices, the decisions, the thoughts, the actions, all the things that he, the things that he said mattered because he knew that people were watching them. So to live that life of character, you have to, you have to walk it, walk the walk much more so than, than, than talk to talk. Texas Pete is the sauce that allows you to sauce like you mean it. Each Texas Pete sauce is packed with a bold, balanced flavor. The signature tanginess is what makes it a legendary hot sauce that can be used on just about anything. You're definitely going to want to try every flavor. The original hot sauce has a famous secret blend of fermented peppers. Their hotter hot sauce is three times hotter than the original, and it's not for the faint of heart. They also got a flavor called Sabor by Texas Pete, adds authentic Mexican flavor. And they also have a dust-dry seasoning that matches the flavor of the original hot sauce in a flavorful dry rub. But... The flavor that I've been enjoying lately is the chop sriracha sauce. It's got chili, garlic, and some tropical tangy notes. It's really good. I love putting on my eggs. Texas Pete sauce like you mean it. Visit texaspeat.com and use the store locator to find Texas Pete products as well as purchase sauces and get recipe inspiration. And you can use promo code podcast24 for 20% off at texaspeat.com. That's podcast24 for 20% off at texaspeat.com. Check out the Sriracha Cha Sauce. Wedding season is coming up, and if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made-to-measure suit. Suits start at just $499, which is about the same price you'd pay for an off-the-rack suit at a department store. And they've also got custom made-to-measure shirts starting at just $89. So I've talked about my Indochino suit on the podcast before. They've been a longtime podcast sponsor. It's navy blue. The measuring process was super easy. They got these video guides you follow. You'll need another set of hands to help you out with that. But the really fun part is customizing it. Got to customize how I wanted the lapels on the jacket, the pockets, the lining. I went no pleats on the pants on this suit. A lot of fun. And then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. Daylight saving time is starting up again. The goal of this is to give us more daylight from March through November. By setting our clocks forward, it may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates for your roles any sooner. There is only one way to do that. ZipRecruiter. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to help you find qualified candidates. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you can reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash manliness. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Picture that thing you've always wanted to learn. All right, you got that in your head? 
Now picture learning it from the person who's literally the best at it in the world. That's what you get with Masterclass. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors, and many of these instructors are former AOM podcast guests. You can learn negotiation from Chris Voss, leadership skills from Jocko Willink, how to master your habits with James Clear. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. So recently, I went through the Masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. A lot of useful information in there. Talked about the value of knowing a negotiation, how to use your body language and speech patterns to get your best out of a negotiation. Very well done. I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. It's a daily thing too. I, I think most people approach self-improvement, you know, they get on the bandwagon. You know, they say, this is the time I'm going to change. And they have like this big effort at the beginning and they make some some progress. And when they don't make any progress, they just stop. It's not consistent. And I guess li- a life of character requires, you know, just daily workaday actions. It's boring, it's unsexy, but that's how you develop a life of character, just the li- doing the little things on a regular basis. And, and that's what matters the most. It's not the spectacular, the magnanimous things we do in life. It's those little things, to your point, day in, day out, that matter most, that truly define who we are as individuals. Another person you talked to is a gentleman by the name of Bob Sweeney. Uh, he's part of an organization that works with the homeless in Dallas. And what I thought was fascinating about him was that he and his organization have a 20, you know, they have 25 times higher success rate with getting folks off the streets. You know, that's not 25% higher. It's 25 times higher. I'm, I'm curious, what's the secret sauce? What is he doing different from a lot of the other agencies or organizations that work with the homeless? Well, he works on uh, the aspect of identity. And again, not to take away all this, this stories, but from a high level here, he dealing with people that are homeless typically come from a varied background. It doesn't matter your, your, your race, your gender, whatever, <clears throat> but a lot of people fall into these cycles, these downward spirals, whether that be addiction through substance abuse or, uh, you know, physical abuse relationships or just, you know, life happens, health issues where they find themselves homeless. But it's the identity of do they take personal accountability or responsibility for their actions or do they, you know, blame the others? You know, it's my ex-wife or it was my my ex-husband or it's, you know, it was that relationship or that job. It was only that boss's fault. And what he has made his program so successful is he gets people to take personal responsibilities to who they are, their identity, to be that individual of character, to then take that on where they can go on and become, you know, who they really choose to be. And the big thing about it too is he talks about holistically. He talks to them about, you know, the importance of taking care of yourself physically, of, of bettering yourself mentally, of, of getting that education, at least that high school education, if not taking any continuing education beyond that, but also the spiritual component. He's an unabashed Christian and that is what really gets people to find their purpose, their meaning in life, where then they can go out and be that individual of, of character and take responsibility for who they are and be a productive member of society. So it, it gets, you know, bottom line, it's, it's their identity. He helps them find out who they are, 
first and foremost. And then helps them become that person they could be. That they, that they want, we all want to be somebody, but a lot of people, I mean, somebody of, of significance, we, you know, bottom line, we all want to live a life of significance. I, I firmly believe we all want to look back on our lives and, you know, say we made a difference. Some people are willing to pay the price for that. Some people are willing to, to make those tough calls, those decisions to do those little things day in, day out. And others, it may be too difficult based on circumstances. Again, life happens, but it's, you know, that true character is resides in that how you respond when quote unquote, that life happens to you. And, and that's where, I mean, we're all tested and that's where, you know, he gets people to, to step up to the plate and realize, granted, it may not have been my fault. But the decisions I make from here going forward, that is my responsibility. Helping to become farmers, right? Exactly. Now, I never knew who this lady was until I read your book. Her name is Dr. Egger, and uh, she was in Auschwitz. And But what can we learn from her about dealing with hard times in life? I mean, because like being in Auschwitz, that's like the ultimate hard time. Um, what did you glean from her about the character traits you need to develop for the hard times? She was probably one of my favorite uh interviews or conversations that I had. She, what a remarkable lady. She's probably 88 years old now, but as a 16 year old teenager growing up in, in, um, in Hungary where she, you know, a fairly middle-class family, uh, very affluent. Uh, they were sent, put on the cattle car from Hungary to Poland, to Auschwitz, you know, along that train ride there, her mother pulls her and her daughter, her father had already been separated from them. You know, and, and she tell her mother holds her head in her, her hands and says, you know, Edie, we're, we're not sure. Her name's Edie Eager. We're not sure what's going to happen to us. We're not sure where we're going to go. But always remember, they can't take away, you know, what you think, what your thoughts, the choices that you make. And when as soon as they got to Auschwitz, they get off the train, they come face to face with Dr. Josef Mengele, you know, the angel of death, who is known for you know, just standing there pointing his finger to the right or to the left, his thumb. And her mother was sent to the right. The girls were sent to the left. Her mother goes to the gas chamber. You know, she is murdered, killed. And Edie was a classically trained ballerina where she ended up having to perform for Mengele before his dinner. So here she is. She has a choice to make. What am I going to do? Do I choose to forgive this guy? You know, this guy murdered my mother. You know, what What am I going to do? How do I live? How do I survive this? And just a tremendous character on finding meaning and purpose in life. And, and my excuse, you know, my statement to people, okay, after hearing a story like that where she made a choice, she realized that she always had a choice. What's your excuse, you know? And, and that's the thing about, I learned most from her was, again, resilience and that, that life is a choice. We have a choice. No matter what happens to you, you go have an experience of, through a concentration camp, which is the ultimate extreme where you're left to the bare essence of humanity just to survive and, and how you survive. You can survive with dignity or you can, I mean, we all have a choice. No matter what, we have a choice. So we can choose how we respond. You know, we can't choose what happens to us, but we can choose how we respond. That's that. That was interesting too. You also talk about how humor uh, is important to setbacks and problems like that. It's always trying to find the joy, you know, the true marrow of life. Now, Greg Popovich was one of the individuals you interviewed, and I've always been a big fan of the San Antonio Spurs. It's one of those basketball teams. They're 
they've done consistently well, but they're not flashy. They're very workaday, and they've developed this, um, you know, Popovich has been able to, to create this atmosphere within the team that's very team first. It's not about the individual, like you see in the free agents out there. From your conversation with you had with him, what did he do to develop this ethos of team first? You know, I look at the experiences of a Greg Popovich, and I'll make another example of a Coach K at Duke. You know, both were service academy graduates. Greg Popovich was from the Air Force Academy and Coach K being from West Point. But they both have dynasties. Duke has been a you know, consistently, this, I think this is the first time in I don't know how many seasons that they've actually dropped out of the top 25 as a ranked team. But over the years, you know, national champions uh, last year. And then you look at Coach Pop, how many, you know, NBA titles has he won in the last, he's, they've established dynasties. And, and why is that? It's because they take the importance. It's more than just basketball in the culture that they're, they're nurturing. It's, it's about coaching the individual, the man. Coach Pop cares about, one, the individual guys that he's recruiting or that they're wanting to bring on to play for the Spurs matters. He's not going to get a guy who can't laugh at himself, who has that self-deprecating humor, or he, can't, he won't recruit a guy who always blames somebody else that, you know, I should have made All-American, but if it wasn't for my coach didn't give me that extra playing time, he, he just won't take him because it's, it's about the me more so than about the we as a, as a team. And then he also is important for him to, you know, get to know the individual's families, to know who they are as a holistic person. Again, I, I use the phrase coaching the man because they'll do different exercises, you know, before team meetings about word vocabulary or, Hey, we're going to name, can you, how many capitals of each state? Can you, can you name little things that kind of break the ice, but, give these guys an experience beyond just, you know, running different offense or defensive sets and getting up and down, down the court and how's your three pointer or how's your, you know, free throw form. It's, it's about coaching the man. And that's why his success is he has a lot of his former players come back and want to coach for him or want to be a part of the organization. He's just establishing a, a culture that, that matters. And, 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 and it, uh, it, it goes deeper than just what you're doing for an occupation or a job. And this means he's probably turned down some really great talent. You know, he's not banking on it, right? He's thinking something long-term here. He's not putting success all in just one player. Exactly. It, it is, it's a long-term vision. You're not going to get there overnight. He didn't get there overnight. But once you get, you know, you get people to buy into that vision as, as your players and understand the importance of it, you have that connectivity and that call it that skin in the game where you're wanting, you want to be a part of that. And he like his Tim Duncan's and um, several of the other players could have gone off to free agency or taken more money, but they chose to stay there to, to take less because they wanted they realized the importance of being around that that culture and those core values that Coach Pop has set. You know, there's lots of other individuals we could talk about in your book, but there's one I want to talk about because I think it's important. A fellow by the name of Kerry Casey. Uh, he devoted his life to being a role model and being a mentor. And I think for the folks who are listening to this, all of us here are, well, well, not all of us are, um, some of us are fathers and some of us just have young men in our lives that we could be mentoring. I think it's an important aspect of passing on character to the next generation. What did you learn from Casey about the best way of going about mentoring the next generation of young men, young people to have good, strong character? 
you know, I, what I learned from him is, you know, Kerry as the CEO for the National Center on Fathering is that fathers matter. You know, it does take a family, a mother and a father, you know, to raise children because from dads, a child gets that sense of identity and that sense of values from the mother, that, you know, from the father, from the mother, they'll get empathy and, and feeling and, and the nurturing aspect It's because male and female. But what I learned from him is that it takes time. It's not something that you have to, yeah, you want to provide a good material uh, upbringing for your kids, you know, to do your best. But what matters the most, what your kids want the most is your time, your attention. And, I, and I'll admit, I was, I've been guilty of that in, you know, when I was playing for the Cowboys, I had young children and there was so much stress and, you know, and being a Dallas Cowboy at times when you're trying to get that team position, you're either trying to make the team or maintain your starting position or preparation for a game that many times I can looking back that I was home physically, but home, I wasn't home mentally. I was thinking about other things and I just wasn't there and I did not give my kids the time. And, it, and when I realized that, that it, that it matters, it's just not, it's, it's both quality as well as quantity of time. And Kerry has done this so much that he, he mentors a lot of, you know, whether they're black, white athletes, um, non-athletes that, it matters because you got to let them know that you care. And how do you let them know that you care is by spending time with them. And, and that's the thing that for those of you guys who are out there listening right now that are dads, you need to spend the time. And it's not just five minutes here, 10 minutes there. Get that one-on-one time, find something to do common with your kids where you can talk. Cause again, the kids, if you're not exemplifying it, if you're just talking about, well, this is a lesson on character today, son, they're thinking they're in a classroom and they don't want that. They want to sh- spend time with you where it's a natural part of the conversation. Love that. Well, Chad, this has been a great conversation. Where can people learn more about you and your work? You can go to uh, forcesofcharacter.com or you can go to chadhennings.com. Either one of those, you can um, learn more about what I'm doing as well as um, uh, learn about the book. Chad Hennings, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure. Hey, thank you, Brett. My guest today was Chad Hennings. He's the author of the book, Forces of Character, and you can find that on Amazon.com and bookstores everywhere, or find out more information about the book at forcesofcharacter.com. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. And if you enjoy the podcast, I'd really appreciate it if you give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. As always, I appreciate the support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation.